different than that. How many know that Jesus is holy? I don't care if everybody's on vacation today. We're going to worship Jesus today anyway. Because he's holy. Amen? And He's because he's holy, that means that he's worthy of our praises. So we could take two or three more seconds to praise Jesus because he's holy and he's worthy and dominion and majesty and glory and power belong to him forever and ever. Amen. He is our king. He is our Lord. He's our savior. And we shall worship him the rest of our days and the rest of our life so we can give God praise. Even if it's just a few of us, we can give God praise. The angels worship him with their eyes covered. So they can't see the one next to them or how many people are in the room. They cover their faces to worship them because they know they're in the presence of one who is holy. Amen. So my name is Pastor Derek Parks. I have the privilege of being the pastor here uh, at Epiphany Church of Wilmington. If this this is your first time here with us, we say welcome. Uh, We're so glad that you have joined us um, on this uh, beautiful day. on this Memorial Day weekend. So we are encouraged uh, that that you're here with us. If there's anything that we can do to make your uh, visit with us uh, more um, favorable, you just let us know. We'll come wash your car with this bottle of Aquafina. That means you only get one little spot clean on your car. That's it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Forgive me. But we're so excited that you joined us today. Um, And I'm I'm encouraged today to... Proclaim the word of the Lord this morning. I mean, I had a week. (laughs) Can I just tell you about uh, uh, the week that I had? You know what? I I won't do that. But I had a week this week, and the devil was busy in my life. I know we don't like to talk about that, uh, but the devil was busy uh, working. uh, But God was also busy working and moving in my life this week. Um, I had my roof leaking this week my car broke down this week uh um some craziness going over my family this week it's just been a, a time but as i reflect on this word uh that we've been tre- uh, trekking through last week we talked about a history of joyfulness having joy in the midst of our circumstances regardless of what's going on in our life and as long as we know the source of our joy which is Jesus Christ the Lord, then we can worship and serve him and have joy. So I'm excited to continue trekking through this uh, in our series, Making His Story. Not history, but his story. This week, I want to talk to you from the title, The Center of History. The Center of History. Join me in Colossians chapter 1. I'll be reading from the uh, verse 15 through verse 20. It will be up here on the screens for those of you who do not have a physical copy or uh, or electronic copy uh, on your iPhone. 
not your Samsung, iPhones, <laughs> team iPhone. If you got a Samsung, you can go sit on the other side of the room because we don't want nothing to blow up in here. Amen. <laughs> Sorry, forgive me, y'all. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Hear these words of our Father. He is. Somebody say he is. He is. The image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell inside of Jesus and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross father we thank you lord we thank you for that blood that was shed on the cross for us father god we thank you for that blood that was shed for our sins father i pray lord that 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 you would be lifted up and glorified in this place today father i pray that these words that we read off of this page lord that they might be life to us father i pray lord that as your word says your, that the that the word is, is sharper than any two-edged sword father severing the marrow from the bone and god i pray that this word will get deep down into the marrow of our souls lord and that when we hear this word we might respond by saying lord help us to obey and father it is by your might and by your spirit lord that we pray these things with thanksgiving in our heart knowing that you will accomplish exactly what you said you would do in jesus name i pray let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight my lord my strength and my redeemer in whom i trust in jesus mighty name i pray the whole church said amen, amen. Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, not DiCaprio. <laughs> Doing bad up here. Y'all weren't supposed to laugh at me. I'm your pastor. You're disrespectful. We're going to try it again. Come on, let's go. Leonardo da Vinci was a wonderful painter, not an actor. And one of his masterpieces was known as The Last Supper, which was called the most perfect composition in the history of paintings in all ages, even though it was inaccurately because it depicted Jesus as a white man with blue eyes and blonde hair, <clears throat> just regionally incorrect. It was painted on a convent wall, and the artist put all of his talent into this painting. So much so that even the cup that the Lord used was perfect in this picture. It was an ornate golden vessel richly set with all types of jewels. 
And when he had completed the picture, he had invited a few of his friends to come and see the picture. And as they were viewing the picture, they responded, what a wonderful cup. Look how it sparkles. Look how it glimmers. Such a cup has never been painted before. And the genius painter, Leonardo da Vinci, he immediately grabbed some paint and he splashed dark colored paint all over the glimmering chalice and he made it look as an ordinary cheap vessel. And the story says that he yelled out that the glory of Christ and not the beauty of the cup must be the central object of my work. And that's what we see in this passage today. We see that the glory of Christ and not the beauty of anything else must be central. So if we're going to make history, then we must start at the center. If we are going to make history, then we must start at the center. Join me in verse 15, uh, where Paul writes to the Colossian church. He says to them that he is the image of the invisible God. To start making history, you have to know that Jesus is. Anybody know that he is today? See, you, you have to know that Jesus exists. See, see, there is no starting point in the history of starting points or in the history of the world that does not begin with Jesus. You see, the, the word here, it, it, it can mean to be. That's what that word means. It means to be. So, so what, what that means for us is, is, is this, is that Jesus is to be everything that we need him to be. You see, Jesus is are everything and nothing exists as the writer will tell us in a few short seconds that nothing exists without jesus you see see because the word here can also mean to exist so so that means that everything that you have ever needed him to be he has been that because he exists talking about your past here see the word here can also mean to happen So everything that you will ever need Jesus to be, he will be that because he is. I wish I had some people who understood that Jesus is. I wish I had some people who understood that Jesus is. And as he spoke to those men who came up to him in the garden and they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he responded to him, to them. He says, I am. It's the same word that he uses right here in this passage. He says to them, I am. And when he responded to them, the passage says that they fell down onto the ground at the sound of Jesus' voice. Anybody fall at the sound of Jesus' voice this week? Or is it just commonplace? Is it just an ordinary occurrence for us? We come to church because we have to. We read our Bible because we have to. But we're not doing that because of the existence that Jesus is. But let me show you a little bit how this word is rendered throughout the New Testament to give you a little better picture about what this means here. This word can be rendered as to come. Jesus will show up when you need him. 
This word also means in the future that he will come. So as you're looking at your present situation, you cannot be, you, you don't have to be rattled and thrown about because you know that Jesus will show up for you in the midst of your circumstances, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter how bleak it looks, no matter how gloom and doom it looks, Jesus will come. This word is also rendered as consist. It means that he is the literal is. So everything that is, is in Jesus because he literally is. This word also is, can be rendered in the New Testament as to hold. In the imperfect sense, it, it means that Jesus will hold you down. In the imperfect sense, it means that Jesus will hold on to you. In the imperfect sense, it means that uh, Jesus will hold you up. So if you're if you're feeling down today, if you're feeling down and out right now, I want to encourage you that Jesus, he is there to hold you up even when you're feeling down and feeling low. Next, I want us to see here that this word can be rendered as possible. See, in the midst of life. And life is challenging for all of us at different points and places in different ways. The, the challenge in your life is not, it can't be compared to the challenge in my life. And the challenge in my life can't be compared to the challenges that exist in your life. But in the midst of those challenges, we must know that because Jesus is, everything is possible. And it's possible because of who he is. He is the image of the invisible God. See, our image is important to us. More important than it should be. Uh, we care about how we present ourselves to the world. That's why uh, we're on social media all the time trying to ease our identity crisis. And as we present a particular image to the world, we oftentimes change that image. It's so easy to change your image on social media. You can just be who you want to be, look like how you want to look like. Instagram, you could just put a couple filters on there and you look like a whole different person. But listen, The image that Jesus presents is different than our image because this image never changes. See, in fact, the image that we put forth to the world is intended to depict us in a different light than what we really are. We put filters and flowers and butterflies and dog ears on our images in order to represent us, right? That's what we do. I don't know why you want to be represented by dog ears or whatever, but that's what we do. And butterflies floating around your head and stuff like that. If a real butterfly was floating around your head, you'd probably be nervous and scared. But we got butterflies floating around our head in these images. That's what we want to do. But the image of Jesus, watch this. I want you to see this. The image of Jesus is the exact representation of God. See, the image that Jesus places forth is not to depict him as something that he is not, but instead is to depict him exactly as he is. See, if you understand what the scripture says about Jesus, then you understand right here in this passage that Paul is declaring that Jesus is, in fact, God. See, we live in a culture that questions what cannot be seen. 
People argue all the time about what they can't see. You can't prove that because you can't see it. God doesn't exist because I don't see him. That's foolish. Try breathing your next breath without him. And see, the culture that we live in, they question what cannot be seen, but the Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, but more to the point here, it is the very evidence of things that cannot be seen. So the evidence for God in this world is, in fact, the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's why it kills me when people say that they believe in God, but they dismiss the claims of Jesus. How do you believe in God? But you don't believe in Jesus and what Jesus says. Because Jesus will tell you, in fact, himself, that he is God. He says, before Abraham was, I am. I got to read your Bible. Listen. And, and, and here's what the Bible says about this Jesus. It says that he is of first importance. See, it, when it tells us that he is the firstborn overall creation, what, it, what, what Paul is telling us here is he's telling us that Jesus is before all things. He's telling us that Jesus is of first importance primarily because he is above all things and God has given him a name that is above every name. So I want us to bear in mind here that Paul is writing this letter from jail to the Colossian church because some isms and schisms have risen up in the church of Colossae about the identity of Jesus. See, they were preaching a Christ who was prominent, but not preeminent. Warren Wearsby, the great theologian, says to make him prominent and not preeminent is to dethrone him. But see, here we, we, we see in this passage that, 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 that they were making Jesus prominent. They were saying, yeah, Jesus is a good dude. Yeah, he, he, he was doing all right. He was pretty, he's pretty great. He was a prophet. He, he's doing all this kind of stuff. But they were not making Jesus preeminent over all creation. In fact, they were claiming that Jesus was just another angelic iteration of God. In other words, they thought he was just another uh, 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 theophany or, 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 or appearance of, of, of God, uh, but he wasn't actually God himself. But this, this word here suggests that Jesus is, in fact, before all things. The very act of creation holds Jesus in its view. Why? Because he is the subject and the verb of creation. Uh, I wish I had a church today to, to see here that Jesus, he is the very subject and verb of creation. So no angel could rival him because he is responsible for their creation. The very act of founding the universe is a result of his importance in creation. See, I, I, I know you hear that and you think, well, then Jesus was created, right? Wrong. Paul goes on to tell us that he is the reason for creation. In verse 16, he says, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. See, Paul, he says that everything takes its form and shape 
because of Jesus. Even your raggedy life takes its form and shape because of Jesus. See, we oftentimes freak out and get worried because things aren't going the way that we would like them to go. But Jesus is orchestrating and controlling your life. What that means, though, I want to make that clear, is, is if you obey him, then he is orchestrating your life. And when you disobey him, he's also orchestrating your life as well. You see, everything in heaven was created by Jesus. Everything on the earth was created by Jesus. Even, he says here in the passage, even thrones and dominions, rulers and, and, and authorities were created by him. So, so when you create something, watch this, you can control it. See, that's why we can't freak out about who's in authority. Uh, whether politically or, or, or governmentally or whatever, we can't freak out about who's in authority because Jesus is in control of what he created. So listen, everything that he created, I want you to see this here. The passage says that everything that he created, he created for himself. And that includes you. So everything that Jesus created, he created to bring glory to his name and to bring glory to himself. So when things are going topsy-turvy in your life, you don't have to go all scatterbrained and nervous because you know that Jesus is in control of your life. And listen, it means that everything that happens on, on this world through created things, that's just what we all are. We are all created things. I know we think that we're master creators and we, we're creatives and all that other kind of stuff. And we like to do stuff like that. But the creativity that you had, it comes from God. Amen, somebody. Anything that you can create off of your mind that comes from God because God gave you your mind. That's why the old church used to, they used to pray, they used to pray, uh, God, thank you for, for keeping my mind. We don't talk like that no more because we think we got it all together. But I want us to see here that everything that was created was created to bring Jesus maximum glory. That's why we will see next that he is the center of exaltation in, in verse 17. Verse 17, he says here that he is before all things and by him all things hold together see paul is informing us that jesus is superior to everything so there shouldn't be one thing in your life that jesus does not come before if there's anything in your life that comes before jesus you know what he calls that an idol and you know what he does with idols? Uh, with idols, he shows himself to be more powerful, the, powerful than them each and every time. In fact, when he sent his people into a different place, he told them he told them to destroy all of the idols that exist in that place because you shall have no other god before me. And you want to see God begin to break up stuff in your life? Have something before him in your life. Trust in something more than you trust in him and watch him step in and start breaking that thing up. You see, nothing should come in front of Jesus. In fact, everything in your life that you do as a believer should have Jesus at the front of it. 
Your job should have Jesus at the front of it. The lesson plans that you do should have Jesus at the front. The assessments you do should have Jesus at the front. The service projects that you do should have Jesus at the front of them. And, and nothing you have should come before Jesus either. Because he is in front of all things. See, Paul is making it very clear here for us that there is nothing that comes before Jesus. And he's arguing to the to these folks who are rising up with all these isms about Jesus. He's saying, no, Jesus isn't secondary. He is preeminent above everything. So listen here, even your spouse can't come before Jesus. Yo, uh, this is going to surprise some of y'all. Your kids can't come before Jesus. Why? Because he is the one that holds all things together. And see, without Jesus, your career will fall apart. Without Jesus, your kids is going to be a mess. Why? Because you are raising them. That's why. Uh, but without Jesus, uh, uh, deeper than that, I want us to see that deeper than that, without Jesus, the entire universe will fall apart. You see, everything in the universe, my, my neighbor, he's a neurophysicist. The dude is really smart. That's what that means. And he be talking to me. He be saying words. I'll be like, all right, doc. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and he can do, do everything. He's out there working on the car. He helped me fix my car this week. Like, dude is just smart. So we have conversations all the time. He's a normal physicist. He works down at the University of Delaware and all that stuff like that. And, and, and he, you know, we were talking. And he was frustrated one day. He came home. He was frustrated. I said, hey, man, what's going on? He said, man, my coworkers, they just irritate me. I said, well, what's up? Because he's a Christian. He said, well, you know, we're working on this project, and they, and they just keep talking, and they're like, oh, I wonder how this happened. I just wonder how this is, and I just wonder how that happened. And he's like, man, stupid. It's God. That's how it happens. So then he, 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 he did something crazy. He showed me this. He said, Pastor, I want to show you this. He reached down in my lawn, and he pulled up a blade of grass out my lawn. I mean, he actually pulled a handful up. And I was like, Doc, why you got to pull up my grass? <laughs> I only got a little bit in the front the strip here. I live in Wilmington, bro. Like, stop playing. <laughs> so he pulled his, pulled his handful up, and then he dropped the rest of them on the ground. Like, Dad, that's disrespectful, bro. <laughs> and he just held this one little blade of grass in his hand, right? He said, you see this blade of grass? I said, yeah, I, I, I see it now. I mean, yeah, like I can see it. <laughs> so he takes the blade of grass and he rips the tip off, tip of the blade of grass off. And he holds it in his hand. He said, you see this tiny tip of grass, this blade of grass right here in my hand? I said, yeah, Doc, I see it. He said, you know, everything in the universe consists of molecules and atoms. I said, okay, cool. That's what's up. I knew that from uh, high school in, in science class, but thank you. Um, and he says, listen, matter is mostly electrons moving around rapidly in space. So they're just moving around. So as you're looking at the blade of grass, you have the appearance of looking at something solid, but in actuality, you're looking at something that is in chaos, but it's just moving around quickly. 
Now that's a lesson for your life. Some of you look like you're put together, but when you get down to the surface of it, you're actually in chaos and you're actually a mess. But Jesus, he is the one who steps in and makes your life right. Let me continue with the illustration. So he holds up the piece of grass and he says, listen, there is enough energy in this tiny blade of grass that if the molecules were to release from this blade of grass, it will blow off the whole northern part of the eastern coast. So Delaware, New Jersey, Maine, Vermont, all those little states, they gone once this little blade of grass releases the energy that's inside of it. So I said, man, doc, that sounds scary. And he said, no, it's not scary because there is something that's holding those molecules together. And and he says, you know, he's talking, he says, my colleagues... My colleagues, they don't understand. They, they sit around, they try to figure out what's holding all these molecules together. We don't really know. We can't figure it out. And he's sitting there with a smirk on his face because he says, I know the answer to what's keeping that stuff together. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Lord. He's the one that holds you together. He's the one that's holding the universe together. He's the one that's holding your raggedy life together. He's holding you together in the palm of his hand and there's nothing that can separate you from his love. See, what my neighbor, what my neighbor told me was very powerful because it was referring to a blade of grass. But I want to let you know that that person that he's referring to that's holding everything together, he's more powerful than the power in that blade of grass. And if he were to let it go, you and I would be gone from the face of this earth without any thought. He'd be like Thanos when he snapped his finger and half the people just disappeared. Sorry if y'all didn't see the movie yet. My bad. You should have seen it by now. It's been a couple weeks. So listen, scripture says, I don't know what's wrong with y'all, <laughs> y'all crazy. Scripture says he holds all things together and he is the head of the body. He's talking about the church. What he's saying is, is that Jesus is superior to and he's supreme over the church so what that means is if you are in jesus christ then that means that you have a ruler and because you have a ruler that means that you can't just do what you want to do that means you can't just live your life how you want to live your life wrong Jesus commands us as the head of the church to live according to his word. So everything that you do, it it, it has to line up with the scriptures. You can't be out here just living how you want to live. It doesn't work like that. If you claim to be in Christ, then you are proclaiming to have a master and a ruler who is supreme to you. And if he's supreme to you, then that means that you have to serve Jesus. Next it says that he is the beginning. Everything in your life has its commencement in Jesus. 
Shout out to everybody that participated in commencement services this week. Anybody graduate this week or something like that? That's okay. Y'all not here. Y'all celebrating with your family. That's why y'all not here. It's cool. But whether you participate in commencement services or not this month, I need you to know that any commencement that has ever commenced inside of your life is only possible because of the commencement of Jesus in everything in your life. That's good to me because that means that what he starts, he will complete in your life. So you don't got to be worried about how things are going to happen. You don't got to be worried about how things are going to get done. What Jesus has commenced in your life, he will complete. Because the scripture says that he is the beginning. And if you read your Bible, you'll realize that he's also the end. So if he's the beginning and the end, then that means that you are doing all right because you are in him. And inside of him, there is no need to worry and no need to doubt and no need to fret because everything that he's ever done, guess what? He's done it perfectly. So, next it says that he is the firstborn from the dead. That sounds weird, but it's good. See, Paul is urging us to know that Jesus has taken victory over death because he is the first one to conquer death. You see, Jesus expresses his preexistence over death through his conquering of death. What do I mean? Before death ever entered into the world, Jesus was. So that's good news for us because if he was existing before death ever existed, then that means that he can control death. So you don't have to worry about what's going to happen to you in the next life if you're in Jesus because you know the one who holds the keys to death in his hands. That's why he says here, because this this also means that Jesus expresses his priority over death. You cannot be preoccupied with death. If you prioritize Jesus over death and fear, you will never have to. if If you prioritize Jesus over death, you will never have to fear in this life. And you can do what God and what Jesus are commanding you to do. Because you understand that Jesus has prioritized himself even over death. That's why Jesus has to be. First place in everything in your life. That's what it says next. That he is first place. It says that he, he's the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. See, Jesus conquered death because he wanted to be given first place in our lives. You see, when, when you hold the keys to death in your hand, You can command first place. Like, if you know that you're not going to die, 
you can say, nah, I won the race. Like, I'm good. I'm in first place. Uh, and as believers, we have nothing to fear because Jesus, he controls our death date. See, I, I want us to see here, he controls our death date through the work that he accomplished for us on the cross. So next we're going to see is that Jesus, he is the center of reconciliation. See, the passage says that Christ is the fullness of God. And see, it, it pleased God to have Jesus and his, to have his fullness dwell inside of Jesus. See, when he says here, that it, it pleased God. It talks about God's approval with Jesus. It talks about the, the, the well wishes and the, the, the favorable inclination towards Jesus having the fullness inside of him. See, sin creeped into our life and, and, and made us in our position in God as an unfavorable position towards him. But that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world and gave him a favorable position in him. And he was inclined to him. Therefore, it's, it's telling us that he was willing to have the fullness of Jesus of God dwell inside of Jesus. And that fullness is that fullness is the abundance of God. See, if you want to have everything that God wants you to have, then you need to step into Jesus. If you want your life to be filled with the abundance and the completeness of God, everything that God has to offer, then you have to lean in to Jesus. Because the pastor says that he was pleased to have his fullness dwell inside of Jesus. The fullness of God is found nowhere else on this planet or on the, in the heavens or anywhere else except for inside of Jesus. In fact, it tells us that they are housed permanently inside of Jesus. In fact, we see here that they are inhabited inside of Jesus. So when you were in Christ, that's why Ephesians tells us that we have every spiritual blessing attached to that because we are in Jesus, because the fullness of God is in Christ. And if you are in Christ, then you have the very fullness of God inside of you. So he says, and through him to reconcile everything to himself. See, from day one of your life, God has been in the business of of having you be reconciled to him. That word means to completely bring back to a former state of harmony. See, we were once walking in the garden in the cool of the day with, with, with God. Our ancestor Adam, he messed that up for us because he ate of the fruit when God told him not to. But the passage says here that he is reconciling everything to himself i want you to to, to sense because like paul uses deep theological words like this he says everything right everything is being restored in jesus everything not some stuff everything so that thing that you think it won't ever work out God is reconciling that to himself. 
that marriage that you think is in shambles and it's not ever going to work out, God will reconcile that to himself. Everything that sickness, everything God will reckon, reconcile to himself. And it says that hey, he'll do everything to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross for you. God wants to establish harmony in our lives through the blood. So I want to take the last couple minutes to talk to you about the blood. It, it was by violence that we now have peace see it was through the violent bloody murder of jesus that we have been reconciled to god and we now have peace in him see the old song says i know it was the blood i know it was the blood that saved me See, and, and I want I want to point us to this because somebody also said, LaShawn Payson in her song, she said she, she comes up with this formula and she asked the question. She said, some people ask, how can a brown cow eat green grass, that same blade of grass that would have enough energy to blow off the northern tip of the uh, east coast? Uh, uh, he eat that grass and it go in the stomach and he'd be all right. But the, how is it that this this brown cow can eat green grass and give white milk? Somebody in here probably knows the answer to that, but don't. That's not the point. But if you think that's something, in God's chemical laboratory of redemption, he takes our black souls and he dips them in red blood and we come out as white as snow. Anybody ever been dipped into his blood? Anybody ever been dipped inside of the blood of Jesus? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that's exactly what happened. You sit at the feet of Jesus and as his blood dripped down from the cross and it began to create a puddle down on the ground, he began, we began to, as the song says, we began to plunge beneath that flood of his blood and in his blood we have redemption from our sins. So? Jesus, who is the firstborn of all creation, he's before all things. He is the head of the body, the beginning and the first fruit, the firstborn of the dead. And everything has first place in him. It's Jesus. He has redeemed us by his blood. I'll close with this. Martin Luther, the monk, not the king. He visited a dying student and asked the young man what he would take to God in whose presence he would shortly appear. The man replied, the young man replied, everything that's good. And old Martin Luther, the old skeptical monk, he says, surprising. How so? seeing that you are only a poor sinner. The young man replied, I shall take to God in heaven a heart that has been soaked in the blood of Jesus. 
And if your heart's been soaked in the blood of Jesus today, you can go to him in your death and present this heart to him. A heart that he worked to purchase for you. To wash you and make you clean. And you can present to him all that is good. Because all that is good is in him. Maybe you're in here today and you don't know about this Jesus. Maybe you don't know about the one who sacrificed himself. Who gave himself as a ransom for us. Meaning that he paid the debt that we owed. And then accounted it to us as righteousness. Maybe you're in here today and you don't know that Jesus. I want to invite you to a relationship with him. We've got folks who are going to be in the back. They're going to receive you. They'll they'll talk with you. They'll walk you through what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But maybe you're in here and you don't know Jesus and the pardon of your sins. Maybe you're just like that young man who Martin Luther said he was a poor sinner. But unlike him, you have not been drenched in the blood of the Lamb. The scripture is clear that if we believe in him and trust in the work that he has accomplished in our lives, then he will make us alive in him. Won't you trust him today? one would like to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ the Lord today. He's a good savior. He's a good shepherd. He's a good father. He'll care for you. He'll love you. He'll provide for you. Know that as you live the rest of your life that if he is not at the center of your life fall apart because he is the one that holds all things together. Father, thank you for your love for us. God, how you plunge dirty sinners like us deep beneath that fountain of your blood. God, we need the blood. We need the blood blood that gives us strength from day to day. It never loses its power. God, we thank you for that blood that you shed for us on Calvary. God, and as we seek to be history makers for you, may we never forget your sacrifice. May we never forget that you died for us on the cross to ransom us grip of sin and death. And Father, it's by your Son that we pray with thanksgiving in our hearts, knowing that you will accomplish exactly what you said you would.